There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, I talk with Reverend Raphael Warnock. Reverend Warnock is one of four people engaged in a runoff election in Georgia. The outcome of that election will determine the makeup of the United States Senate. That makeup will determine the legislative road for Joe Biden's administration and could impact the makeup of the Supreme Court. Warnock is pastor of famed Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King once pastored. The Democrat is locked in a battle with Republican incumbent Kelly Loeffler. Georgia's other seat is also in the runoff. Victories by Warnock and the other Democrat, John Ossoff, would split the Senate equally and leave the deciding vote in the hands of soon-to-be Vice President Kamala Harris. Because of that, this election has become of national interest, including a recent nationally televised debate against Leffler, who in December of 2019 was appointed to succeed Senator Johnny Isaacson, who resigned his seat. Georgia voters hold a lot of political clout right now, and Warnock understands the importance of winning their votes. Ed Gordon. Reverend. 
Man, I'm on it. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you. Before we get into the particulars, I want to ask you why. I mean, you uh, were already doing God's work. You were already working for the community, and politics can be a bear, to say the least. Why jump into this? Great question. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm still doing God's work. Um, this is a defining moral moment in our country. It's hard to overstate how much really is on the line. And there are big public policy debates and conversations around health care, around voting rights, around this COVID-19 pandemic, around um, workers. But behind all of the public policy debates is, I think, a more fundamental question about the character of the country, about the soul of the nation. You know, I'm the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King Jr. served. And when we think about the King, we think about the civil rights law. We think about the voting rights law, all of that, the fight against segregation. But the mantra, the motto for his organization, organization, the SCLC, was literally to redeem the soul of America. And so we, we're in one of those moments where we need a multi-faith, a uh, multiracial coalition of conscience focused on bending that art closer toward justice. Uh, as you point out, I've been doing that work for years from my pulpit. I've been fighting for affordable health care. I've registered hundreds of thousands of voters. I've always stood up for workers and struggling families. This is my opportunity to translate my protests into public policy, my agitation into legislation uh, as we redeem the soul of America. It's very clear how the Republicans will play this game out um, until, uh, you know, people go to the polls in January. I thought, quite frankly, your first name was Radical Liberal as I watched. (laughs) Um, How do you how do you fight against that? How do you push back against that? That's that's the tactic they're taking, clearly. It's nonsense. It's unfortunate. It's shameful. Um, In such a serious moment. People deserve a serious conversation about the direction of the country. And, you know, people were focused on the, that the insults she hurled towards me, but she really was insulting the state because it, all of that is based on the assumption that Georgia people uh, can't see through that, and I believe that they can. Um, it's an insult to the intelligence of the voters. And so I'm, I'm going to put my fate in the hands of, of Georgia voters, the people that I've been meeting all across this state in places that folk might not expect in rural Georgia, uh, where folks are so um, focused and they're glad when I drop by because they say they've, they've never seen someone running for Senate drop in their little town. Uh, they haven't seen their senator in these places you know, where their hospitals are closing in Southwest Georgia. Um, you know, I was, I was um, in Cuthbert, Georgia, where their hospital had closed. It was the ninth hospital to close in 10 years. Devastating rural health care, devastating those local economies. You can imagine, can you imagine how many jobs are lost in a small town when the hospital closes? Not to mention the fact that when it comes time for you to get to the hospital. Maybe you're having a stroke. So these hospitals are closing in large measure because we've refused in this state, we're one of 12 states that's still refusing to expand Medicaid. 
So while we're subsidizing healthcare in New York, California, Maryland, because we still got to pay, the, we still pay the federal taxes, our hospitals are closing, and just out of mere spite, they've refused to expand Medicaid, waging war against Barack Obama. He's long gone, been gone out of the presidency, and it's the people. While the elephants are are at war, as they, it's this African proverb, it's the grass that suffers. People at the grass roots are suffering, and um, so I'm going to stay focused on them. And what you're seeing is the desperate politics of distortion, distraction, and division. And I I think at the end it will not prevail. The people will win. Here's what's interesting: if you take a look at uh, the Senate and running for the Senate. While you have to talk to your constituency, while you have to talk to the state, um, those who understand the body politic know that the Senate is really a national seat as well, based on the voting, and particularly when you look at something as important as the Supreme Court and the like. We have, I think, seen it glorified a bit more in terms of understanding over the last couple of years. Um, But now, uh, this race, has become a national race. It's no longer just for the folk of Georgia. When you started this, while you fully understood, you could not have understood the dynamic of where you sit today. That's true. Uh, Folks have been urging me to run for years, and it's based on my record. They've seen me out here doing the work when I wasn't running for anything, and I, I think that's part of the case I'm making. A good sign for what somebody will do when they're in office is what were they doing before they were before they were in office, before they were running, before I was running. You know, I, I, my church was raising money to bail poor people out of jail because I don't think that people, you know, bond should be based on how much money you have. That doesn't that doesn't prove whether or not it's safe or unsafe for the community. So we've been pushing for bail reform. I've been expunging criminal arrest records so that people could have a chance to get a job and to, and to, and to rent an apartment. These are folks who don't even have a record. They just have an arrest record. Uh, I've been registering people to vote. And so, no, I, I couldn't have predicted this when I got in the race on January 30th. And I got in January 30th and six weeks later, the world changed. Yeah. I had six weeks of the old world that we used to know. And then I found myself campaigning in the middle of a pandemic. No one even knew, knew how, how to campaign. You certainly weren't going to be able to go out and press the flesh, kiss a lot of babies. And uh, we were all pushed into this Zoom world. Uh, with a global pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in a century, um, underscoring longstanding disparities in healthcare. Uh, that were already there, the disproportionate impact on communities of color who deal with the comorbidities of hypertension and diabetes that exacerbate the impact of the virus on on these communities, dying at a higher level, hospitalized at a higher level. Found myself in the middle of that. And then the tragic flashpoints Mm -hmm. of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmad Aubrey right here in Georgia, underscoring the ways in which black bodies are not safe in jogging, driving, sleeping in your own house. 
these are issues I've been working on for years. I had a conference at my church focused on ending mass incarceration because police brutality is driven by the massive privatized carceral system that we've created. It's like having a big dog. You buy a big dog, you got to feed it. And we, we have more people in prison in the United States of America than any country in the world. Nobody even comes close. No one even comes close. So the police brutality is driven by that. So yes, I, 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 I uh, sometimes say to myself, how in the world did I end up running in a moment that's so tailor-made for my candidacy? Yeah. Because I've been working on these issues for years. You feel extra weight now that the nation has turned its attention to Georgia with the idea that if you all can take these two seats, if Democrats can win these two seats, then the deciding vote rolls over to Kamala Harris. Um, is there extra weight because of that? Certainly you feel the responsibility. You recognize how much is at stake. But, you know, I'm running on the foundation of my faith. You know, that is what drives everything I do. And so what that means is that I have always seen whatever I've done um, as a part of a project, a giving oneself over to something that is larger than me. So I think the burden is there, but the burden would be heavier if I actually took myself too seriously, if I actually thought it was about me. I really do see myself as a vessel. So I'm going to lay it all on the line uh, with praying lips and praying feet. You know, when, when the rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel marched alongside Dr. King and Selma, he said, I felt like my feet were praying. And that's what we need in this moment. People who bring head, heart, hands, and soul to the work of creating a more perfect union. And so um, I know that I'm at the center of this, uh, but it's not about me. And I think if I get out of the way and do the hard work, um, the outcome doesn't belong to me. It belongs to all of us. When we return, we talk about race and its role in the race. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, 
fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at (sighs) purdueglobal.edu. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Race almost always plays a part in politics and in today's climate of heightened racial sensitivity. That is very true, especially in statewide and national elections. Georgia has always been difficult territory for black candidates seeking these offices. Raphael Warnock knows that the color of his skin makes an already daunting task even more difficult. It's shameful that I have to ask this question, but political expediency has me asking this question. And we saw Stacey Abrams understand the dynamic of a black candidate in Georgia trying to win a statewide position. What do you have to do in lesser terms um, to tamp down race uh, for those who still see it and still may find it hard to vote for a black candidate? Well, I'm just not going to allow that to deter me. When I said I've been going to Georgia, moving all across the state, going to these areas, rural areas, I'm talking to everybody. And um, what you're pointing to is the old Southern strategy Mm -hmm. being played out now. I mean, the truth is Republicans for decades 
have um, uh, had a strategy here in the South that is rooted in dividing people and playing to the old uh, nativistic impulses of bigotry and fear. And fear really is the thing that drives it. And um, I see what they're, I see that being played out right now, you know, with all of these titles that, that she was trying to uh, attack me with, um, running these commercials, with this whole aura and motif of dangerousness. Brian Stevenson has pointed out, dangerousness is a motif so easily applied to black maleness. So we know what they're up to. And uh, I'm just going to keep standing up and putting forth our message around health care, jobs, and justice. I'm the pastor of the church where Martin Luther King Jr. served. And so while they're trying to turn me into some scary preacher, um, I'm just going to stand in that tradition and bear witness to God's love and justice uh, that uh, calls all of us, uh, I think, to this moral moment, to not give in uh, to the ugly side of our history, but to what Lincoln called the angels in our nature. What of the idea of we've seen many a good-hearted, righteous man and woman go to Washington with the idea of bringing a, a moralistic view to it, uh, and it, it having lived in D.C. and covered politics for as long as I have, it's a lot of swinging that yeah. <laughs> has to take place. Um, have you thought about the dynamic of, of going into that arena um, and how that can wear you down? Because you have to also bring, uh, you know, some, some just political strategy with, with the moral in Washington, unfortunately. If yeah, folks, like, can, can the preacher manage to deal with the rough and tumble of, of politics? And my answer is, have you ever been to a Deacon Bull meeting? <laughs> Man, if you, if you can, I've been a pastor for 25 years. You can do anything. Yeah. You, you, you understand politics. That's fair. So, so look, um, um, you know. But it can be disheartening. It, it's tough. And, and um, I thought long and hard about what it means for me to get in in this because politics the first casualty of politics is truth and we saw that the other night i mean they're just willing to say anything i mean just unembarrassed unabashed lies i mean the stuff that she was saying she knows i'm not associated with that they already know it and they don't care so uh, I'm just going to stay focused on the people. And I think part of what will be helpful to me, Ed, is that while I'm running for high political office, my highest ambition is service. I think you become a greater slave to that system that you're talking about. You become impaired when you're so focused on the next election that you're not thinking about the next generation. Again, I go back to what, I, and this is rooted again in my faith. It's a giving oneself over to something that's larger than me. And so I plan to stay very much connected to my congregation and to my community because folks say, well, how are you gonna do that? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I think you should be afraid of the other thing. I, I, I'm afraid that if all I'm talking to is politic, politicians, 
I might accidentally become one. <laughs> and and uh, I want to remain a servant. We always talk about diversity and we talk about black and white diversity. We rarely talk about in public the diversity that we find within our community. And we're starting to see that generationally. We're starting to see it, the question of the have and the have nots within black America. How do you marry the two? Um, Because sometimes when we get into these conversations, we're taking our eyes off the larger prize, if you will, if you'll take that cliche. How do we marry all the divergent conversation that that needs to take place in Black America, but keeping focused on the more important things? We got to invite and keep everybody at the table. You know, one of the things I've learned through years of serving as as an activist, as an advocate, as a pastor, uh, as someone who's always engaged in multiracial conversations, you know, I'm I'm a fellow in a program where we've got several well-known, high-profile faith leaders. We are Christian, we are Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist. We've gone to D.C., we've gotten... Uh, in good trouble together, uh, standing up for health care. So I've always, so, so I think part of what helps you in your perspective is to engage that diversity. I think the easiest way to become uh, irrelevant is to, is to live in an echo chamber. And so I think you have to be intentional about seeking that diversity out. And speaking of diversity, my God, the United States Senate does not suffer uh, from too much diversity. And I think representation matters. It gets reflected in the kind of public policy that comes out. And so uh, I would be the first Black United States Senator from the state of Georgia. I would only be the 10th, uh, the 11th Black Senator in the history of our country. Think about that. In the history of our republic, there have only been 10 Black United States senators, and three of the 10 are serving right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so representation matters. I look forward to making history, but more importantly, make a difference through the perspective that I bring to the work. Is it important, though, to make sure that as a community, and we always say we're not a monolith, though I believe Black America has general thought, and I always uh, use the example of go to somebody's uh, house on Thanksgiving and ask for pumpkin pie in a black household. <laughs> so while we're not a monolith, we do have right. general thought. I think about something like defund the police. You know, there's vigorous debate going on with our, in our community about that. Uh, if you get to this spot, you will have a very coveted chair and a very loud voice. Would you see it? Would you take upon yourself to bring some of these voices together, to try to have these conversations in private, and then if we can find common ground uh, around issues like that, then speak in a louder, more singular voice? I do not think that we should defund the police. Um, But we do need to reimagine the relationship between law enforcement and our communities. And so uh, I will be focused on this issue of police brutality. There are folks who are trying to, again, on the other side, use all of the scare tactics. And it's really sad if you think about it. You know, I'm running against a sitting United States senator. Uh, After the George Floyd event 
everybody who who wants to see could see that we have a problem. I mean, I had folks come up to me, right, who are who are non-black and say, Reverend Rev, Pastor, people who know me better, Raphael, I will admit to you, I thought we were further along. It, it sent shockwaves through the country. And I'm running against a woman who used that as an opportunity to use the black women on the basketball team that she owns as a foil mm-hmm. to shoulder up her right-wing credentials, I guess. Um, this is serious work. It needs to be done. We need to get rid of qualified immunity. We need an independent prosecutorial process when civilians die at the hands of police. And we need to make sure that uh, police officers and police departments that have long patterns and practices of abuse uh, uh, are not able to do that without being checked. That's work that all of us ought to be able to agree on. Um, but then we need to pivot and think about this larger, increasingly privatized uh, prison industrial complex that I've been talking about. And because as sad and as tragic as police brutality is, as long as we're invested in a system that that's that large, which is as Michelle Alexander describes it, the new Jim Crow, as long as we're invested in that, we're going to keep seeing George Floyd incidents time and time again uh, until we get really serious about reimagining. 30% of uh, Georgia's electorate is uh, Black. And traditionally, we've not seen anyone, let alone Black folk, come come out for runoff elections. What do you want to tell folks? Uh, who may be saying that I did my job. I I voted in November and I'm done. No, the job is far from complete. Congratulations, Georgia. We delivered to Joe Biden 16 electoral votes. And contrary to what the current occupant of the White House is saying, we know who the president-elect is and the vice president-elect, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But in this great country of ours, we don't elect kings or emperors. Uh, they have a legislature that they have to deal with. We elect the president. And if Mitch McConnell remains in control of the Senate, all the things that we are hopeful about getting done right now, we will not be able to get them done. That feeling of hope you're feeling right now in your heart, it is going to quickly vanish if we don't win these Senate seats. Because he will do what he did during the Obama years. Uh, He will be a shameless uh, scion for obstruction, for obstruction's sake. It is the way he wills power by saying no, stopping things. Just, I mean, he's proud of it. He's so proud of it that when John Lewis transitioned and his body was there to rest in state in the Capitol. Folks came, Mitch McConnell came. He offered pious platitudes in memory of John Lewis, talked about what a great man he was. I have to tell you that as John Lewis's pastor, I was insulted. Mm-hmm. Because even as he offered pious platitudes in memory of John Lewis, Mitch McConnell knew, he knows, that he's sitting on John Lewis's legacy, 
the voting rights law, which passed the House, but he won't even put it up for a vote in the Senate. And the only way we get it up for a vote so we can push hard against voter suppression, the kind we've seen in this state, we got to pass the John Lewis Advancement Act. That's why you've got to come back out for the runoff. Uh, early voting begins on December 14th. Mail-in voting is going on right now. Election day is January 5th, but we need to have our votes our votes in the bank before January 5th. You need to go vote by mail or early vote between December 14th and December 31st. January 5th, you're just getting the remaining folk in your circle out to vote, but you've already voted. We can absolutely win this election. The other side knows it. That's why they're engaged in such desperate tactics. Uh, but the people, Kelly, Kelly Leffler was appointed. The people of Georgia are disappointed. And I'm saying to the people of Georgia, come back out and get your seat because the people who sold that seat to her, they don't own it. It's your seat. Come get your seat. This is a bigger picture than Georgia, as I said earlier. The idea that those who control the Senate are probably going to have a couple of appointments in the next four years, at least one probably with the Supreme Court. Um, there's a question of whether, you know, you're going to stack the court. I know better than to ask you that right now. I know I'm not going to get a, a, a straightforward answer on that. But talk to me about what you want to tell those who sit outside of Georgia who can assist and, could, and who can help your candidacy because it will impact them down the line no matter what. This is a defining moment in American history. So often, as goes the South, so goes the country. We saw that during the Civil War, during the Civil Rights Movement. This is another inflection point where we Americans have the amazing opportunity amidst this darkness to recommit ourselves to what I call the American covenant. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. That's the covenant we have with one another. And so we do need all hands on deck, not encouraging you to come to Georgia physically. If you take the midnight train to Georgia, make it a virtual train. Go to warnockforgeorgia.com where you can volunteer right where you are. You can also support John Ossoff, who's also running for the other Senate seat in Georgia, electjohn.com. Volunteer for our campaigns. Again, warnockforgeorgia.com, electjohn.com. And uh, you can volunteer. You can text. You can call, you can write postcards. Um, we need all hands on deck. We have the winning coalition in Georgia. I won't go and I won't belabor the point. Uh, if I had, you know, had more time, I would show all the races. We, we've, we've completely flipped the metro Atlanta. The momentum is with us. And it is the result of 10 years of hard work uh, where I've been registering voters. Others, others have registered voters, hundreds of thousands of new voters in this state. And folks, can we win? Can we win? Of course we can win. Uh, we just got to show up. And uh, so much is riding on the line. So let's show up. Let's all get engaged. Let's win the future for all of our children. Reverend, thanks for being with us. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Reverend Warnock for joining us. If you're in Georgia, make sure your voice is heard. You not only have a chance to decide the direction of your state, you have a chance to decide the direction of this nation. 
Early voting has begun. January 5th is the official election day. Make sure you cast your ballot. Next week, we're talking holiday music. What's your favorite Christmas song? What makes that music so special? We talk with some of your favorites about those holiday tunes. Kim Anthony Hamilton, Yolanda Adams, and others join me. Make sure you do too. Remember, if you're talking about it, we're talking about it. We'll see you next week. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.